Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. Today, we will begin a study of Matthew's chapter 5, 6, and 7. This will take several weeks to go through what is known as Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. The sermon gets its name from a really big hill or mount where Jesus shared these teachings. Many consider these to be Jesus' central teachings about how to live as his disciple. The sermon is only three chapters long, but it is packed full of wisdom that challenges us to be better disciples of Jesus Christ. So we're going to take it slowly, lesson by lesson, until we work our way all the way through it. It will take us several weeks, probably months, to really work through it. But we're not going to rush because we want to really dwell on what Jesus is telling us. We're going to start with Matthew chapter 5 and verses 3 through 12, what is commonly known as the Beatitudes. Beatitude is a fancy word that means a state of supreme blessedness and happiness. We hear that word or that phrase a lot. People will say, I'm blessed, right? If you say, how are you doing? They'll say, I'm blessed. I'm just so blessed. So let's take a look at that. I mean, what do we really mean when we think of being blessed? Does it mean life is good? Does it mean everything's great? You're healthy? You're happy? You're content? You're blessed, right? What do you think it means to be blessed? Well, Jesus' definition of a beatitude or being supremely blessed, may surprise you. Let's look at what he says about being truly blessed. We'll go through each of the blessing statements one by one. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Jesus said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And so right off of the bat, we kind of get a clue here that maybe Jesus is going to turn our ideas about blessedness upside down. Do you honestly think you are blessed when you're poor? Does anyone go around saying without sarcasm, yep, I'm broke, can't afford to put gas in my car, rent's late, don't have money to pay it, and I don't have anything to put on the table for dinner tonight. I'm blessed. I mean, do we say that? Do we think that? Most of, of those folks that Jesus ministered to in the first century who lived in Israel were that kind of poor. They lived precarious lives, never even knowing if they were going to have dinner to eat that night. Um, life was hard, and they lived in a time when their nation was under the oppression of a foreign peoples, the Romans, who were, had conquered them. And, and they didn't even have control of their lives. They had to do what their rulers told them. But Jesus said they were blessed. 
because he knew he, that it gave them an advantage that wealthy people didn't necessarily have. Because they knew in a very tangible, real way, they had to depend on God. When we have money, it's easy to forget that we really need God. I mean, besides just saying it, it was like because you know you're supposed to say it, I need God. We know we're supposed to need God. But do we really feel like we do? I mean, we can take care of ourselves, right? Or at least we think we can take care of ourselves. If we've got money and resources, we can take care of things. And maybe we have a false sense of security in that. And so let me remind you clearly today, clearly, your money cannot save you. Your money cannot save you. I'm going to tell you something. You may have a lot of it saved up, but it can be gone in an instant. You have a, a serious medical condition. All your savings can be gone like that. Something can happen in the economy. Think back to the Great Depression. People who had just had millions of dollars. And something changed in the stock market. And overnight, they went from being millionaires to being broke. And a lot of them didn't even know how to do it. What, what do you do? And a lot of them took their lives because they didn't know what, how their safety net was gone. The thing they had put all their hope and their trust in for security was gone like thin air. Your money cannot save you. But most Bible translations render this verse to say something like, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And that's important. Because Jesus isn't just talking about your finances. There are people in Jesus' day and in our own who feel as though they are spiritually safe and secure. They say to themselves, I'm a good person. I treat people fair. I live right. Therefore, God will be good to me. Or the universe will treat me right. Karma will come back to me because I've been a good person. Good things will happen to me. Or I'm a good person. Therefore, God owes me. God will take care of me because I've done the right things. Therefore, He owes me and He will be good to me. And this was the basic philosophy of the Pharisees in Jesus' day. They thought if we will follow, the, we have followed the law of God in the book of Moses perfectly. And therefore, God must be good to us. And it's a way that many people think today. But God doesn't owe you anything. And our so-called righteous deeds, the good things that we think we should be so proud of and that God must love us because we've done them, the scriptures tell us our good deeds are nothing but filthy rags in the sight of a pure, perfect, and absolutely holy God. And so Jesus says, you are truly blessed 
if you really know you are poor in spirit, because you realize you desperately need God to save you. Because when you are like that, then God welcomes you into his kingdom. It's not those who think they are good who are welcomed in. Because they're not blessed. They're blind. They've deceived themselves into thinking that God will welcome them into his kingdom because they deserve to be there. Jesus says, no. It's not those who think they are good. It's those who know they are not good, who are depending completely on the mercy and goodness of God to save them, not because they deserve it, but because God is merciful. These are the ones he welcomes into his kingdom. And Jesus goes on smashing our preconceived notions of what it is to truly be blessed. In the fourth verse, he says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We've had a lot of deaths in our church family recently. It seems like the last few months have been particularly hard. Our bereavement committee has been working overtime to provide all of the meals for the families that they love to provide. According to Jesus, that means we are truly blessed. But does it feel like it? Do you feel blessed when someone you love dies? Jesus is pulling from Old Testament scriptures like Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2 through 4, which says this. says, better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies, so the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while a fool thinks only about having a good time. That's the Word of God. We live in a culture where We want to avoid pain. Sometimes we want to avoid pain at all cost. But there's a statement. It's a cliche. But it's true. No pain. No gain. We live in a broken world. Things are not as they're supposed to be. And we are not as we are supposed to be. If we never realize this, if we never feel this, We're missing out on something really important. Matthew 5, 5, Jesus said, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. This beatitude is difficult to translate. The New International Version says, blessed are the meek. The New American Standard Bible says, blessed are the gentle. The NLT uses the word humble. The Greek word is preus, which means mild of disposition, gentle of spirit. And let's put it in the context of where Jesus spoke these words. In Jesus' day, the Romans 
were the ones who possessed the Holy Land. They were the powerful and the proud ones. They used violence to subdue the Jews and anyone else who resisted them. Some in Israel, like the Zealots, wanted to use violence to rise up and overthrow the Romans. Jesus says, no. It is not the violent or the proud or the powerful who will possess the land. It is the humble, the gentle, the meek. These are the kind of people who will possess the Holy Land. In fact, they will possess the whole earth when the kingdom of God finally comes on earth. So, you are blessed if you are humble and gentle and meek. Psalm 37, verses 7 through 9 says this, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed. But those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Matthew 5, 6. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. You know what it's like to be hungry, right? You feel like your stomach's going to turn in, like you're, you're imploding. You can feel your stomach hitting the back of your spinal cord. You know what the, and you know what it feels like when you're so hungry and you finally get to satisfy that hunger with some good food. You know what it's like to be thirsty? I think one of the times I was a thirstiest I've ever been. I was a teenager. My uh, karate instructor took our karate class on a field trip. Uh, it was a weekend getaway. We went down to Florida to this thing they called Combat Alley. So uh, it was a fun time. We camped out in Florida. It was, it was hot, but we were young and we didn't care. We were just having a good time. And the culmination of the whole weekend, the last event of the weekend, was this thing they called Combat Alley. You had to go on an obstacle course through the woods. Of course, we're all, you know, tough boys, and we're going to have fun on this Combat Alley. You had to run across this thing, and every so often throughout the woods, they'd have a station. You had to stop, and you had to fight someone. We'd use your karate to get past that station and move on to the next. So I went running through there as fast as I could through the Florida heat and fought five or six different competitors and then made it through the end of the obstacle course. And I was so hot and I was so thirsty. And I ran to the water station and all they had was that nasty, sulfury Florida water to drink. And I thought, I'm so thirsty, I don't even care. But guess what? I don't care how thirsty you are, that stuff's still nasty. (laughs) And I never thought of milk as being something that could quench your thirst, but we happened to have some milk (laughs) that I guess we had left over from our breakfast, and I got a big glass of milk, and I drank it, and it was was so good to quench my thirst, much better than that nasty Florida water. You know what it's like to be thirsty. You know what it's like to be hungry. One day, some people are going to be truly satisfied, fulfilled, 
like a starving man who finally gets food, like a person who's dying of thirst and they finally get that cool, refreshing water. Those who hunger and thirst for justice, for all that is wrong in the world to be made right, they will finally be full and satisfied because God will make it all right. Matthew 5, 7, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And this one goes right down to the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. We say it every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. There are so many offenses in this life that just cannot be repaid. If we demand that every wrong done to us be paid back in full, it will make our life and everyone else's life a living hell. And at the end of it all, we still will not be satisfied because there are some debts that just cannot be repaid. They can only be forgiven. That's the only way forward. And so you are blessed when you show mercy because you will receive mercy too. Do you want to be angry and full of resentment all your life? Or do you want to be at peace with God and peace with the world around you? And you don't forgive for the sake of the person who wronged you. You forgive for the sake of your own peace and healing. In Matthew 5, 8, Jesus said, God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. If I were to put this into my own words, I would say it like this. I would say, you are blessed if you're totally sincere, because you will actually see God. When your thoughts are pure, when your motives are pure, when you're totally sincere, then you will see God. And most of us have a long way to go on that. Often we don't even know the impurities that lie within us until we walk with Jesus a little bit or someone who's a little bit more like Jesus than we are. You ever been like that? You got a friend, you're like, gosh, I thought I was pretty good. And then I see the way this person's handling the situation. Wow, there's so much farther on the spiritual journey than I am. And it just reminds you, you still got some work to do. The Christian journey is walking alongside Christ every day and allowing Him to reveal the impurities within us until we are totally sincere and we're holy and we're blessed to actually see God face to face. Matthew 5, 9 says, God blesses those who work for peace for they will be called children of God. I think we all agree we could use a little more peace. That would be nice. We wouldn't have to fight, wouldn't have all these wars. But the problem is, you want things your way, I want things mine. And this country wants this, and that country wants that. And it seems like the only way in the world that we know to solve it is to fight it out and see who comes out on top. Of course, the one that comes out on top can't stay on top forever. The biggest, baddest bully eventually grows old and 
weary and weak, and someone takes their place. And even the strongest empires rise and eventually fall. It always happens. It always has and always will. Jesus came to end that. He came to bring true peace. It's not a peace where the weakest people must submit to the strongest. It's a peace where we finally all submit to our loving Creator God. As we were originally designed to live. God's true children spend their lives working to bring this kind of peace on earth more and more as we submit to God and as we invite others to turn to Him as well. And then in Matthew 5.10, Jesus said, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Living for God and doing the right thing may make you blessed in God's kingdom. But it may not feel much like it in this world. In fact, it may make you a lot of enemies in this world. Those who want to remain in darkness will fight to keep your light from exposing them. Even if you're not saying anything outright to point out what they're doing wrong, just by you living the right way automatically sometimes exposes that they are not. And so if you are living for Jesus, people who aren't will often mock you, persecute you, lie about you, say all sorts of evil things because you follow Jesus. But Jesus says, don't worry about it because that means you're blessed. The kingdom of heaven is yours. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 11 through 12, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. He says, be happy about it. Be glad for a great award, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. As we review what Jesus said about who is truly blessed, supremely blessed and happy, we can see clearly that his definitions are not the same as our world's. You can strive to be blessed according to this world's definitions. You can strive for wealth and comfort, power, prosperity, selfish fulfillment, But this world and what it stands for is passing away. At most, you may have a hundred years to scrape and scratch and fight to hold on to the things of this world. But the end will come. And you will have to stand before God and give an account for your life. And then you will have all eternity to answer for it. But those who repent and turn to Jesus turn their back on this world and its values. They become children of God and royal priests in the kingdom of God. 
And Jesus atones for all their sin. They are made pure and righteous before God. They offer mercy and they receive mercy from God. And theirs is the glorious kingdom of God in which they will dwell for all eternity in everlasting life where there will be no more sin or sickness or sorrow or death. Which kingdom do you choose today? The kingdom of this world or the kingdom of God? Our closing hymn is, Lord, I want to be a Christian. Is that what you really want? Are you ready to exchange what this world calls blessed for what Jesus calls blessed? If so, sing this song as your prayer to the Lord. Let your words be your commitment to God today.